I um I I'm a little bit of a dude that likes to watch TV. I uh, have four beautiful kids, an amazing wife, but sometimes a brother just need to escape. I just need to tune out. I just need to go somewhere else. And uh, sometimes there's some shows that just help a brother to do that. You know you done binge watched on Netflix. Don't you judge me. <laughs> come on. <laughs> so sometimes there's this silly show that'll come on, and it's not like it doesn't have like a whole bunch of meaning. I just will watch it, and it was called Undercover Boss. Not the deepest of shows. You're looking to be intellectually challenged, might not be the one for you. But sometimes I will watch it because it would be this boss that's in charge of everything. I mean, multi-million dollar companies, whole nine, and they kind of come down to the level of the worker and they kind of put on a, a wig and a fake mustache and you don't know who they are supposedly and they go through the show learning what's happening at a ground level. Well at the end of the show every time the boss tears off the wig, pulls off the mustache and ta-da, you got, oh it's you Bob, we didn't know it was, you know, like all of a sudden now you got the leader. And what happens is the people respond in this way of, of celebration. They respond like, whoa, the person in charge of all this is in our midst. The person that's, that's in control of everything, even to the degree of how I care for and supply for my family, is right here in front of me. The, the boss will reveal himself and the people will respond kind of in this, this heart of celebration. Family, as we dive into our scriptures today, we're talking about this, this topic called epiphany. We started last week and we're continuing this week. And epiphany is the manifestation. It is Jesus revealing himself to the wise men. It's found in Matthew chapter 2, and I ask you to turn there with me. And, and, and Matthew chapter 2, Jesus reveals himself to the wise men, and the wise men have this response of worship, this response of celebration, this response of adoration. Last week, we dove into Matthew chapter 2 and saw why this was, this is, this is a kind of a, not a series when it's only two, but Last week was the first part, and this is the second part. Last week we talked about uh, the call of the unlikely. Read with me in Matthew chapter 2. We're going to have verses 1 through 12 because I want to make sure you know this story. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Last week, we talked about these two different characters, the character of the wise man, the character of Herod, how the wise men dabbled in some magical astrology type stuff. And they would use these giftings, use these different earthly powers to be able to answer crazy stuff, stuff that the kings would want to know. So the king would want to know, am I going to win this battle? Go to the wise men. The king would want to know, why is my wife sick? You go to the wise men. The king will want to know, hey, who is plotting to kill me? You go to the wise men. And the wise men would use the stars and use the, the way the astrology is set up to answer these questions. Wise men was known for being a bit uh, unconventional for using some dark magic, but it worked. And so God, in a crazy way, uses the very thing that they're using for dark purposes to actually bring his name glory. He takes the the things that they use to be able to kind of try to tap into the future and explain how the world works. He takes a star and uses that very thing. The people who were unlikely to worship God are now center stage in the story, being drawn to worship God. So last week we talked about the call of the unlikely and how Herod is the likely. He's the one with all the pedigree. He's got all the scribes. He's got everybody in house that should be knowing exactly how to worship this king. But yet he wants to rule. And so we talked about the beauty of how God calls the unlikely and that you and me are both in the group of the unlikely. But this week, we shift a little bit. We shift a little bit towards being able to see not only that he calls us all, that we are all the unlikely, but that there's a response that he expects of the unlikely. Continue with me in verse 11 and verse 12. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warmed in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They fell down and worshiped him fell down and worshiped him. We, we see this phrase happen in a, in a number of different places. Mary Magdalene, after Jesus dies and, and Jesus and Mary heads to the tomb and she's going in uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, she's going there and she wants to see what has happened to my Savior. Y'all remember this story? The angel kind of rolls back the stone. She goes in, she meets an angel The angel tells her, don't be afraid. Let me tell you, you can come see this tomb. The tomb is empty. 
says, go tell the disciples what you've seen. And then in verse 8, it says, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran and tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Now watch this response when Mary sees Jesus and enters into his presence. When she sees him, she then says, it then says, and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Mary walking meets Jesus. And when she sees him, her response is to lay down, grab his feet and begin to worship. This posture that, that is, that is not, not the typical way that you will respond and conduct yourself. Let me give you another example where we see this fleshed out. Because the response of the people, the response of you, the response of me, how we respond tells a lot about who we're responding to. Look in, look in chapter 4 of Matthew, standing in that same book. This is one that, that, that people know well. It's a, it's, it's a story where Jesus gets tempted. Jesus is out in the wilderness. He's fasting for 40 days, brother hungry. Twinkies start to look good. Little Debbie started to look good. Them ho-hos starting to look good. Been fasting 40 days. And then Satan comes up. If you God, you know you can command them stones to kind of turn into some bread, put a little butter on that, sop that up. You know you, know you can do that. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by the word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him to a high place, took him to a holy city, set him at the pinnacle of a temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and their hands will bear you up. Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Third time Satan tries to tempt him. This is what he says. He says, look. In verse 8, again, take him to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he says to them, I will give you these if you will do what? Fall down. And what? Worship me. Fall down and worship me. The Lord responds to him. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Why am I trying to make you see where this is placed in the Bible? Because the response means a lot. Why do you think Satan wants Jesus to fall down and worship him? Because it's going to show allegiance. It's going to show his stature, it's going to show his position, it's going to show that Satan is king and Jesus is his servant. That very act is communicating a place of royalty that is held for one and one alone and Satan wants it. And so the posture of Jesus that he wants to see that shows that Jesus is subservient to Satan is to fall down and worship him. And then we see that very posture take place with the wise men when they meet a baby. They met a baby. And they did what happens in the place of kings. They did what happens in the place of royalty. They 
did what was the one thing Satan wanted. They showed a posture of falling down and worshiping and worshiping. It's, uh, it, it's crazy for us to think of, of submission, allegiance, and surrender only coming through the way in which our physical bodies respond, that, 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 that the way I act can demonstrate how much I submit. The way I act can demonstrate how much I am showing you that you are in control, that even my body posture can demonstrate if I'm in allegiance or if I'm submitting. And, and I've seen this. I did it once. I remember mama asked me to do something and uh, she asked me the wrong way. Well, I felt like it was the wrong way because I was in control. Mama asking me, you don't be asking me like that, mama. So I was like, all right. I don't know how I still got this eye, y'all. I still got this eye. I don't know how it happened. It's grace and mercy. But, but even, even the posture that I had, even the, the, the swelling out of the chest, even the, the looking at her eye to eye like she was one of my homies was communicating a whole lot. And I, had, I, I actually, with my mouth, agreed with what she said. But she could read on me. Hold on, son. You ain't submitting right now. You flexing right now. You see, they fell down to show you are in control, this baby, but this king, this God who had came to dwell in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, they were showing with their bodies that you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of of, of our leading, you are worthy of our submission. And, and what gets messy for us as the church, especially a, a multicultural church, is that sometimes we take things like this a little too literal. We can sometimes say that the only way for you to worship is to fall down. And you're not a real worshiper if you don't fall down when you're in church. Now, I'm going to say to you, my preference is that all of y'all will fall down. I want y'all to be running around. Hallelujah. I'm cool with that. All right? See, y'all ain't even said amen. All right. All right? All right. All right now. I'm okay with expressions of joy. I'm okay with expressions of, of jubilee. I'm okay even with expressions of sadness. That in the midst of us preaching, if you just started crying right now because the weight of the world is on your shoulders, we would stop this time and come and care for you. I'm okay with that. But what can sometimes happen is we can sometimes begin to say that there is one right way to worship. And to say it right there, fall down. So why you ain't falling down? And I've learned as I've been able to do life with people all over time that, man, cultural stuff is just different. You go in, you go in some of my homies' houses and you don't look. We, I'm like, we can't even agree in how to greet each other. You give, you give one of my homies' dad a high five and it's like disrespect. I'm a grown man. You'll be high five me, little boy. What you doing? In some cultures, you look a person right in the eye, it's a sign of disrespect. 
other cultures, you look a person in the eye to show them an air of confidence that you respect them and that you value them. We can't even agree on how to greet, say hi to each other. How is there going to be one form of worship? But the issue here is not is there one form. The issue for you and for me is what does our posture look like? What does our body communicate? What does our heart express to show Jesus that we are aligned to him? He is our leader and we submit fully. Fully. For some of us in the room, it is your composure. For some of us in the room, your composure ranks a little bit too high for you. And you would hate to hit the floor and worship the Lord because that's just not how you roll. You would hate to shout out to Jesus because it's just not how you tend to express yourself. You would hate to have a personality that just seems uncharacteristic of you. And that's exactly what was going on with these wise men. These wise men... These are brothers that dabble with giving kings answers. They enter into the courts and the kings call them in because they want answers. Herod did it. Herod said, look, I know what these homies over here, these prophets, they're talking, but I need y'all to come over in this back room and tell me where the king at. And when y'all find them, come back and tell me so I can worship them too. They were used to being the one who answered the kings, who gave the kings wisdom. And now look at them, falling down, worshiping this baby. What's it look like for us? What's it look like for us? Because in the next verse, we're going to see that they gave something that was costly. And maybe my personality is costly. Maybe my funds are costly. Maybe my treasures is costly. Look at this in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child. No, and I ain't ready to jump to that yet. Hold on. We're going to verse 11. Yep. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These gifts were costly. These gifts were valuable. These gifts were not things on the fringes. It was things that had worth. I've had to learn at times how to how to how to be quiet. Y'all know me and uh, I love y'all every week. I'm blessed and honored and man, encouraged that God gives me the opportunity to talk for, you know, a 15 minute sermon every week. That's what I give y'all. I'm right in. Get you in, get you out. You know what I'm saying? Every week. So God is, God is for some reason giving me like a lot of gift to gab. I can talk. I like talking. And then God has to, shut up, Leon. Be quiet sometime, Leon. But that ain't me. That ain't how you wired me. That ain't how you made me, Lord. So for me, seriously, sometimes it is, it is like a chore to just be quiet. 
it is costly in, in me in that I'm not being trying to be in charge. I'm submitting this unto you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting us to see the beauty and what this text is communicating. One, that there's a posture that we are to have as believers. And that that posture, uh, we need to be asking God for it. A posture where we are willing to even demonstrate with our lives, with our actions, with our bodies when we enter into worship, whether that's at home or whether that's in the church. A posture that shows that we are submitting to God. But that posture, if it's going to bleed out, it's got to not just be a church thing and do be a home thing as well. And so sometimes that posture of something costly could look like uh, yo, your friends don't see you for a while. Where you been? Praying. That looks like the kids sometimes coming home and being like, Daddy, where's Mama? Oh, she, she, she in the basement working on that prayer journal. That looks like sometimes the kids having to wait because dad needs to finish reading this chapter of the Bible at home. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving you guys these examples because even sometimes it's tough to say, okay, I see what the wise men did and they had things that were costly to them and I could just make this about money, but that's not what the text is only communicating. Not, not if we're going to connect it to worship. It's not just about what you give financially. You have to be asking yourself, what is something that is costly in my life that I can offer unto him? And for me, even as a, as a pastor, I can't think of the last time my kids came up on me and I was doing something in our home that was like, y'all got to wait because I'm in tune with God right now. I might have it happen here at the church and I might have it happen at your home. And when I get home, I just want to be all dialed into the kids. No. That might be the case for a lot of us who work and do things elsewhere. But what does it look like for there to be times we are modeling with our bodies and our posture, even in our homes, worship and falling down to experience this God? And I'm not saying these things that make any of us feel guilty. Please know. Sometimes you hear sermons like these and it's like, man, that's one more thing I'm not doing well. No, that ain't that's not this MO. That's not the goal here. The goal is for us to be saying, God, you are worthy of everything. You love us. You died for us. And part of the way that I get to experience the beauty of who you are is by entering into your presence. So may I do so with a heart that models worship? May I do so in a way that, that, that shows you that I'm expecting to meet you? And that's another unique thing that happens here. These uh, wise men expect to meet the king. They expect to meet the king. I had a, 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 a situation happen um, where, where some people, once they found out who I was, they changed their behaviors in a drastic way. Because sometimes when you find out who a person is, like you, you, certain people get certain crazy responses. 
So I'm in the eighth grade, right? And I'm at the zoo. And I'm from East Cleveland originally, all like all black hood. We go to the zoo. Now the zoo gets everybody. So it's like our black school and like probably 20 white schools. So we all get, but at lunchtime, everybody eats at the same, at the same time at the zoo. I might have told y'all this story before, but just stick with me. So I'm at the zoo, and this white girl comes up to me, and she's like, are you, are you Kenny? Are you Bud from the Cosby Show? And I couldn't even say nothing. I was about to say, I was, about, I was like, mm. and my boy is like, yep, that's Bud. <laughs> Do y'all know, for the next, like, 30 minutes, I'm signing people's back, but Bring me your Sharpie. I got you. I'm signing T-shirts. Crazy, right? But, but when they thought I was a celebrity, their responses changed. Start letting me do stuff that you wouldn't expect. Now I can write on your shirt? You trying to jump in front of each other to come see me? <laughs> see, you, you see, when, when you begin to think that there's a certain experience you're going to have or you place a certain value on someone or there's somebody that you lift up a certain way, certain responses begin to come out of you and you don't even know why, you res- why am I like this? I don't even like this person. But, but you know what? They're royalty in the room. How do we treat Jesus? How do we treat Jesus who's revealed himself in scripture? Says to you, I love you. And if you are not a Christian, I want you to see that this needs to be a part of your DNA. That Lord, I want to come to you with a humble heart. But for you all and me all and us all that have been Christians for some time, we can get into this spiritual dull this spiritual cycle where we're not really expecting to meet God. Expecting? I mean, they, they came from the east. People are saying that this was anywhere from six to 700 miles. Came from the east. They packed up gold, frankincense, and myrrh. My, my single people... Mac Ave Community Church would not be what it is if we didn't have the single people do life in this church over the years. You guys have served faithfully. You've served in a way that's so committed. You've been such a blessing to us. But for single people and folks that have uh, couples that don't have kids, I don't care what kind of car you got. You got a lot of trunk space until you have kids. You got a Mini Cooper, a lot of trunk space. Ford Festiva, a lot of trunk space. Moped scooter, a lot of trunk space. But once you get kids, now every single thing is really calculated what you're going to take. Because you got diaper genie, you got pack and play, you got emergency clothes, you got emergency clothes for the emergency clothes of the emergency clothes. You got a ton of stuff. Stroller, come on now. You can't even get in the car. So these, uh, you be loaded. 
And so these, these brothers are traveling hundreds of miles by camels. And they bring gifts. Why? Because they expect to meet the king. They expect to meet the king. And I'm asking us, what does worship look like where we expect to meet the king? I'm asking us to take time because some of us don't know. And that's it's not I'm not going to say it's okay, but I'm happy that we are here because this could be a starting afresh. Let's do this together. And Matt group ask, what does it look like for you to worship? What does falling down look like for you? It might not be a physical laying out on this ground. okay? But what does it look like for you? And I always want to kind of hit that caveat of I'm okay with you falling down on the ground. Because honestly, I love our church, but I've I've seen our joy and our zeal in sports. And I want that joy for the Jesus. That's all I'm saying. I ain't going to trip on you. You praise them how you praise them. But I'd love for you to sing out in here. Amen. Amen. And so I, 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 had, I had this crazy kind of royalty experience one time. A lot of people don't see him as royalty. I honestly don't either. But the way it went down just like put me in this state of mind where I was like, whoa, I kind of was like a groupie. The, my, my neighbor came to me and said, hey, Leon, you want to be here at four o'clock. OK, what's going on? Like, what's what's happening? I can't tell you. But you want to be here at four o'clock, man, like. uh, All right. So he has a little store that's across the street from my house. I'm like, all right, cool. I go over about 358. A couple other people that he's told start coming in and everybody's kind of beaming. And I'm like, what's what's going on here? What's happening at four o'clock? A motorcade pulls up. I'm talking about like Jack Bauer, all black SUVs pull up, pull up, pull up. I'm like, what is going on, man? And he just smiled at me. You know, like told you, four o'clock. Four o'clock comes some senators, congressmen, and then a previous president, Bill Clinton, step out the truck and come into his store. Now, I meet Bill, and the crazy thing is, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm sharing. I don't really like Bill that much. <laughs> just Google Bill and his crime bill in 1994. I'm not really his biggest fan. But the, the motorcade pulled up. People was coming with expected hype. I don't even know what's going on. You know how like when everybody start running, you don't know what's going on, but you start running too, you know? <laughs> I feel it inside. I'm like, now I'm getting all giddy. I'm excited. What's going on? And it was Bill Clinton. I'm like, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. You know, and, 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 and there was a, a sense of man. His worth changed my whole position. I knew internally I was not even a real fan of his. But because of what everybody else thought of him, his stature and influence in our nation, I began to be like, maybe I like him a little bit. Come on in here. Let me get a photo op, you know? 
family, what role, what, what stature, what influence does the king of kings happen that even when I'm struggling with depression, I'm struggling with anxiety, I'm struggling with anger, I'm struggling with my sin from the night before, that when I enter his presence, though, because of who he is, I can fall down and worship him. I can, in my own way, let him know you got my allegiance. You got me. I'm submitting right here, right now. You are worth it. That is what God longs for from us. That is what we need to be asking God for help in. Lord, I don't know how to develop a posture. That's okay. He'll teach you, baby. That's okay. He'll teach you. I say that because I remember every time you hear, hear somebody say, I can't dance. I could just hear grandma say, that's okay. We'll teach you, baby. <laughs> Come on in here. That's okay. God will show you. God will meet you. And so we have this issue. We have, we have this issue. And I, I, I love that at the end, what they simply do, because we don't know what the wise men go to do after this. We don't know if they go on to become missionaries or if they go back into black magic. We don't know. All we know of this experience. What we do know is, though, that they hear from God and don't go back to Herod. That in verse 12, I think, they, they go back home another way. They respond and they listen. And today, my hope is that you will respond and you will listen. That you will see that there is one who wants to meet your needs, who wants to care for the deepest issue that you wrestle with. I don't know what that exact issue is, but I know what it stems from. It's either from something that disrupts or corrupts, and that's sin. Sin corrupts the internal aspect of who we are. It brings forth anger, depression, low self-esteem, pride, arrogance. Sin corrupts us internally, but sin disrupts our external world. So the reason why your car keep breaking, sin. The reason why yo, uh, there's slumlords in the world, sin. The reason why you keep banging your pinky toe on the edge of the bed, sin. Yep. God's intended peace, his intended orchestrated peace that we would, that shalom that, that uh, Elder J.D. has preached about, that shalom that we were supposed to experience, sin disrupts that. And the only way to deal with your heart corrupt or your world disrupted is Jesus who has died so that sin would no longer reign in our lives and no longer reign in our hearts. And so today I invite you to submit to have a posture that shows that he is your king. You can do that today. You can do that right now by saying, Lord, I believe you are king. I am not. I want to submit my way to your way. I believe that you've died on the cross for my sin. And now, Lord, I want to live for you. You have the ability to make me righteous and I accept your righteous gift. That's all you got to say. And even if you don't have to, the words to say and repeat that long thing, you can just say, Lord, I believe what he said. 
And today can be the beginning of a new experience in Christ. Let us pray together, family. Lord, we are all the unlikely. And there was a a call that you had for the unlikely. But Lord, there's also a response you had, one of submission and one of expectation. Grow us, equip us, give us the ability, Lord, to, to live out a life that shows a posture of worshiping, falling down in our own ways and giving you the glory that you deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.